Hey, we're live. We're live. Despite live much from Three Oaks. It's the man kept trying to keep us down, but we have overcome. On a random Tuesday. What it was is. the what was the name of that guy that passed away that did Saturday Night Live intros for years? Dan Don something. Oh, I didn't see it. I don't think. Oh, it was like five years ago that he died. Oh, well, then I. It's don't not remember. breaking news. If it's, if it's more than twenty four hours, I don't remember. If it's less than twenty four hours, I know nothing but COVID nineteen and riots. So. All right. Hello. Hello, hello. We're back. So to speak. We're as back as we can be. Despite having been away and forgetting everything about how to run a podcast, because we were super professional before, so now we are it does just, feel a, like we're just a skosh last. Right? Like kind of starting over. It does, yes. So I'm sorry for any so hopefully glitches we, that Hopefully we can improve. This is... Something real 2.0, post-pandemic. Actually, we're not post-pandemic we're not yet. Post-pandemic. We're, we're, we're stage phase, four. Are we in four? Four, yeah. There's two more. Two more in Michigan. We're getting there. Although the things that are stage six coming is... out in the orders don't match the phases that the giver of the orders put out. So don't I don't start. know. I get don't confused. Start. Don't I, start. But we're, we're working on it. Stage, we're on stage it. six, though, is post-pandemic. Stage six is post-pandemic. So I feel like that should be a stage. Well, according to the plan that I printed from the state website, it is um, there are expected that there will be permanent changes that take place in post pandemic. So I see. that's why. But okay. it's uh, you know the thing about the virus is contrary to <laughs> contrary to the way things play out in some places. It it is indiscriminate. Uh, place no favorites everyone is subject to the same contagion as everyone else some things never change yes my least favorite song from the new frozen movie contagion (laughs) (laughs) that was my nickname in high school (laughs) why we are back we are back you missed that (laughs) you know you did (laughs) you know you missed the high school jokes silly jokes Silly humor, 90s and pop culture, pop culture references, references and a partridge in a pear tree, and, and much Disney, much so. Disney. Um, but as you transition to that, and we're talking about God playing no favorites and non-discrimination, right. I think that it would be stupid and uh, kind of impossible to even avoid talking about what is going on right now in the world. Yeah, it was very, um, I would call it serendipitous, but it, it was ordained by God that this happened to be where we show up in Acts at this particular cultural moment when mm-hmm. when we were dealing with these things. And, and, and I've been, as I've been thinking through and talking about the cultural moment, uh, I, I'm almost... I guess a little hesitant to see it that way. I'm going to tilt this camera forward a little bit. Um, the Because the cultural moment that we're talking about is not, in its essence, dramatically different than other cultural moments that right. we've had. We've been in this same place so many times. We've been in the same place with pr- police brutality. We've been in the same place with uh, racial... Uh, t- Tension isn't even the word. Racial unrest. Um, we have been in this same place with riots. Um, back when when you were yet a baby, um, we had the riots. 1946. The riots in Los Angeles right. after the Rodney King uh, situation there. There have been so many situations that are comparable 
that it, it's hard to, to look at this as one moment. This is mm-hmm. a moment in time. And one of the things that stands out to me in, in so much of these things is that the race issue, and I use the term race only because it's common. I don't believe in race. Uh, and the reason I don't believe in race is because science doesn't believe in race and the Bible doesn't believe in race. If science and the Bible agree, then it just doesn't make sense that social science would get to make up new rules, right. which has happened in the last couple of centuries as we needed to have racial divide. So we created racial divide that doesn't exist. We have created scapegoats for the racial divide that uh, that, that are just there. Only they're, they're like... Um, putting up straw men to be able to, to knock them down. So regardless of what happened it, with George Floyd, it is a heinous crime. George Floyd died unjustly. And I've seen people, this happens every single time we have one of these uh, things come up. And particularly when we see uh, a white cop uh, and a black victim, when, when that happens, which is really the only time it ends up reported, right? So right. Uh, I have a, a friend, David, who's a, a black cop over on the eastern side of the state. And one of the things that he keeps saying is there are always two sides. This is what my my long time, we've been friends since we were kids, since middle school. And uh, he is my brother. And he continually tells me, I, I, I didn't talk to him specifically about this situation. I contacted him after the Ahmaud Arbery uh, heinous murder that took place. And he said, listen, there's a reason that cops seldom talk about these things. Because there's always more than what they report in the news. There's always more than what you see one way or another. Good, bad, indifferent, it doesn't matter. There's always more. And we, we need to have a stable presence. The problem that we run into in our pursuit of the eradication of racism is very much the same as, as the problems we run into in our uh, in our Christian walk, in our Christian lives. And you and I have talked about this. I think we've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, I've spent many hours dealing with people in counseling over this same issue, is the expectation. When we have, when we have expectations based on our fantasy rather than on reality, then we will always be disappointed. When we expect God to act in a way that some televangelist told us God's supposed to act or some way that we created in our mind that God's supposed to act and God doesn't, then we're disappointed in God. Should we be? No, because God never said those things. So we had expectations that were unrealistic. When we have expectations of the federal government, the state government, of the local government, of the police, of the military, of, of whatever, any of these, uh, of these civic entities that they will stop that we can create laws that will stop sin, we will always be disappointed. Listen, if you're paying attention to this podcast, racism is not the primary issue. It is a symptom of the primary issue, which is sin. Sin in our hearts, sin in every individual. It manifests itself in racism, for sure. It manifests itself in brutality and violence. There's no question about these things. And so as we uh, as we deal with it, we can't ignore race. We can't ignore the, the issues that are at hand. But when we begin to think that those things are, and it's the same thing we've said about homosexuality and, and everything else, 
sometimes Christians are guilty of this. Sometimes the world is guilty of this. But one way or another, when we start to focus in on this particular element as the sin, this is the thing, this is the problem, uh, whether we think it's racism, whether we think it's uh, discrimination against LGBTQ people, whether we think it's the uh, the sin of homosexuality itself, whatever it is, Anything. when we start to to look at it and say, "Oh, this is the answer. This is the thing." A friend of mine who used to uh, used to attend a local church here, uh, went to school with you actually, um, was posted a, a a it was a string of I don't know if it was from what social media it was from. He posted it on a story on Facebook, but. Uh, was basically reevaluating what if the Bible, when it said this, actually meant something else? Mm. And I had a couple of beefs with with the posts that were there, but mostly what it was was it was just trying to turn things upside down, which right. is typical of of young folks, uh, typical of folks who are trying to think uh, that you know the the establishment is all bad all the time. So then, if you know when when Jesus. Uh, said this, what if he didn't mean anything that the church has ever said? He only meant this that liberal politics says. Or what if, and you could do the same thing with conservative politics. This right. particular thing is from a liberal perspective. But what if we, what if we misunderstood and Jesus was talking about our politics all along? It's ludicrous. And, and it's not even that the things are wrong. It's that they are short-sighted and small. Anything that we see from a human perspective will always be smaller than what God sees from God's perspective. So when God is talking about uh, whatever it is, love your neighbor, does that include the LGBTQ person down the street? Yes. It also includes the black person on the, on the ground. It also, we hate to talk about this right now, it also includes the cop with the knee on the back of his neck. We've been called to love all of them. So if I can't forgive the most heinous crimes, then I don't understand Christ-like forgiveness, period. If I cannot, and speaking for myself, not, not for someone else, because you're going to have to deal with God yourself. But if I cannot have my principles, my Christian principles of love and forgiveness apply when that person rapes my wife and brutalizes my children, then I don't know the grace of God. I don't understand what that is. Does that mean it's easy? Of course it's not easy. What kind of fool would think it would be easy? And it was never supposed to be easy. Sin is ugly and horrible in any manifestation. But we've decided that some manifestations are okay. We like them. Even though what makes sin horrible is not its effect on our neighbor. Its effect on our neighbor is part of it. But the fact that it diminishes God's glory is where the the ugliness and the horribleness starts. When, When we start to see sin from God's perspective instead of from a human perspective, then we begin to grasp it and realize that it's bigger and broader and deeper and darker and more heinous and more horrible than we ever thought. But when we continue to try to make the Bible fit our narrative rather than changing our framework in light of the Bible, not the narrative is the narrative. Whatever is actually happening when you tell the story, this is the story. But that's not how we tell stories. I mean, and, and you know that as a writer. Every writer always has a perspective. You can't ever be perfectly objective. No journalist is perfectly objective, so you work at it. That's why Al Mohler was talking about this uh, in a recent, uh, in a recent uh, podcast 
on the briefing, talking uh, from a New York Times article um, by former president of CBS News. And, and there's a reason why you have a, a staff, an editorial staff, so that it's not one person giving their perspective because no one is objective. Mm-hmm. So staffs should, in their nature, counter one another. Should, right. they, there should be a, a check, a balance that, that goes on there. It's, it doesn't happen in our individual narratives, which is one of the dangers of the internet is mm-hmm. nobody's checking you. I can right now today, and I, I put a couple of posts out earlier, or at least uh, maybe it was yesterday. I lose track of time. But when I put that out, there's nobody checking well, that's why that. I've, I have I've had multiple conversations with my mother about that. Hi, Mom. She said, you know, well, so-and-so said this on Facebook, and it was on a, on a picture. I said, Mom, I could, op- I could Google a picture, right. type anything I wanted on it, I could make up some quote by Abraham Lincoln if I wanted to and post it on there. And there are going to be some people who probably believe it. And right. that's Abe terrifying. Lincoln said if it's on the internet, it must be true. Right. right. So that's a terrifying perspective. Right. But I also think the media, more I guess more of the traditional media outlets, are kind of fueling that fire of trying to give people or force certain perspectives on people. You have right. you have stereotypes of people who watch Fox News and stereotypes of people who watch CNN and stereotypes of people who listen to NPR, and they each seem to have their own little bent toward sure different perspectives. Some of that is ideological, right? Most of that is. Some people would say it's more sinister. I, I don't know that you can be more sinister if you're doing something wrong. It's wrong. If you're doing something evil, it's evil. But most of that comes from a marketing perspective. Right. There is a reason CNN moved to the left because there was no room for them to grow the market in the middle. And so as you as you see Fox moving to the right, MSNBC started out on the left by design. When you see those types of things happening, their interest is not primarily in getting you to believe a certain thing or getting you to think a certain thing. And, and I, I'm, I'm slightly hesitant to, to make this statement only because I'm not in their boardrooms. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the numbers have borne it out. We see it over and over. They had a record ratings week, all-time records since these riots have started. With CNN? All, all the oh. cable news networks. Highest ever. Why? Because there is chaos and unrest. That's what sells. When things are going well, ratings go down. So you have to continue to spin this. That's why you see fewer and fewer of the stories about uh, protesters protecting cops. You see fewer and fewer of the stories. Protecting stores from looters. You you don't see much of that. What you see is destruction, chaos, the world is on fire. Until we can come up with another story to keep it going. Because it's it's just like all these ads you see on on, uh, the internet that are just clickbait. Right. You know, half of them are not even new stories. It's not there or at all. Or it'll have a title and you'll click it and it's nothing. Nothing what, to do with it. Right. It's just clickbait because we got to get paid. Right. So if you watch our station, if you if you click our article, then we're going to bring in revenue and we want them to get the revenue. And, it and just, that, it's not about fixing the problem. Right. And that is part of the problem. And already we're in this situation where they're with the, with the coronavirus over these past few months. I... I, I I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but it seems like, okay, that's dying down. We've kind of exhausted everything we can talk about with that. Mm -hmm. But it's put the world in a state of uncertainty, stress, fear, whatever. So I feel like we've already been kind of set up with fear, and then something like this happens. And it just feels 
escalated. And I haven't checked the numbers, but I would assume that after the initial bang of the COVID-19 and everything shutting down, I would assume, without checking it, that the numbers kind of tailed mm-hmm. as far as ratings. Because... What's left to see? We're bored. We're going to come up with, we're going to look for things to do. We're going to look for, which I think also has helped contribute to the riots. I've seen a few articles talking about that. I don't, I I think it would be naive to think that that is the primary, uh, the the primary impetus for this. Right. Of course it's not. Right. Uh, But if I think, if you think this is about race. There's a certain state of mind that people have been in. It's just as naive to think that this is about race or about George Floyd. It's not. Some of it is. There are some people. And you can see those. There are peaceful. And that's the thing is we've got so much of a broad spread and it all gets conflated. Everything gets seen together. You see these riots. And, and uh, a young friend of mine was mentioning in my post on Facebook that, you know, there are a lot of these people who are, they're hired to come in to, to make it look bad. I, I'm not even debating that uh, because we've seen that in the past. I don't know that that's what's happening now, but it may be. But the, the part of the argument was, you know, 50% of the people that you see out here, are they're not even black people and not from the area. In fact, in Minneapolis, the, the authorities were saying, I have no idea how they come up with these numbers. I think it's speculation uh, that up to 80% of the people that were there were from outside of the area, out of state mm-hmm. even, who had come in specifically for this. Now, coming into, into a state to protest is very much what happened down in, in the South in the 50s and 60s. As you're coming from somewhere else to say, we will stand, that's one thing. But Antifa, it's not about that. They're, they are not here to, to effect real change. They're here to promote anarchy. And I, boy, I'm, I'm speaking more about social things than what I normally do, but I don't, I don't know that we can avoid it right, right. now. I, I just think we have to recognize it. I, I'm watching, watching it myself, so I'm not taking anybody else's commentary. I'm watching people with... Uh, who are out there for Black Lives Matter. They got the Black Lives Matter uh, on their shirt, they got holding up signs, and they are telling these Antifa people, leave. Right. They're telling some of the, the white folks from, from outside, look, this isn't your space. This isn't where you belong right now. Thank you for your support. We appreciate that. But don't. Don't do that. I'm watching uh, John Bones Jones, the UFC champion, going out in New Mexico, seeing people with spray cans and grabbing them. Give me this break in. We're, we're not doing this. This is our neighborhood. Stop it. Right. And that's the thing that happens with rioting. Uh, I, I'm kind of spinning a little bit off of the, the topic from the sermon Sunday, but it, it all kind of blends together mm-hmm. right now. This Protests are intentional. Protests are, are designed by people who want to affect change. Mm-hmm. Riots are not. Mm-hmm. Riots are lawlessness. And, you know, people on both sides of the debate are quoting Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King described riots as the, the language of the unheard. And he's right. Of course, that, that's... You're getting exact, someone's attention. That's right. why you're doing right. it. But, but honestly, a lot of times it's not even trying to get attention. A protest, you're going to try to get attention. With a riot, it's like when a dog is wounded, right? And, and that dog is just biting. Biting you, biting everybody, biting people it loves. Everybody is in danger until you can get that dog contained because it's wounded. And all it knows is it's blinded by its pain. We have a lot of people right now who are blinded by pain and lashing out in a way that is harmful to the ones that they love. It's harmful to their cause. And so uh, there's a a video that I haven't seen in many years. I remember during the the Los Angeles riots, uh, the Rodney King riots, they get called a lot. 
Um, but during that time, there was footage that was all over. If the internet had been a big thing, it would have been viral. But you know, I'm old. Uh, so, but it's a, a storekeeper who you know they busted up his store and you know, stole his computer, and, and he's oh, out I in the street. A, a couple of people yeah. have posted. I know Ali Bestucky put posted it, and he's like. Why me? Why are you doing this to me? I'm from the ghetto, right. same as you. I tried I'm just to trying, make it. You I'm know? just trying to do the right, right thing here. If you're mad at the white man, go take it out on the white man. But that's not how riots work. Because there isn't a thought. It's just, I'm lashing out. Mm-hmm. And everybody loses. The problem that we're running into right now is even bigger than riot. It's a riot. It reminds me a lot of some of the things that, that we'd see leading up to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Where... It, it is a riot that is deliberately fomented by somebody outside of that cause. Right. So it's not the black people in this community who are hurting so bad over this. It's not even black people. It's not even well-meaning white people coming to protest. It's anarchists mm-hmm. who are coming in, dropping loads of bricks or whatever else. All the, you know, There's a million different conspiracy theories. Uh, is there some conspiracy? Probably. There usually is something going on but below the surface that we don't see but most of it is out in the open we we can see what's happening so yes there are people from outside that are not related to the protest that are not even in the truest form in the pure riot because they are they are outside not really honestly trying to get a conversation going Right. They just want and nothing to will exact be solved vengeance. without that. Right. Without a conversation. Well, that's right, and that's the difference between a, a stealing Malcolm a TV X from and... a Target is not helping anything. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how AutoZone and Target are reasons for police brutality and racism. That doesn't make sense to me. But you know, you look at the difference between Malcolm X and and Martin Luther King. Malcolm X had a different perspective. Mm-hmm. They both were fighting for the same cause. Right. Perspectives were dramatically different, and one of the most famous. What's the, one of the most famous things you've ever seen of Malcolm X? The poster by whatever means necessary, right. you know, with him with the shotgun, and the, right. you know, all those things. Well, that's the exact opposite of the mentality that Dr. King brought in. Right. It, not by any means necessary. We will pursue justice by just means. We will pursue righteousness with righteousness. We're not going to trade one injustice for another injustice. And, and that's kind of what we're doing now. And, and honestly, from what I'm seeing, it's people like to talk about white privilege. I think it's the white privilege that's creating this. Creating is maybe an overstatement. That is throwing fuel on the fire and continuing to push this divide. And it only deepens and widens the divide. When you see George Floyd's family saying, look, we're not doing this. Why are you? Why do you think you can go out here and riot over my brother's death when we're not? Because that's not right. That's not the way. It's not how we do these things. It doesn't honor him. And it never has and it never will. But as long as we're trying to figure out who's right and who's wrong, trying to blame the rioters, trying to blame... Black Lives Matter or Antifa or Donald Trump or President Obama or whoever else. If that's what we're trying to do, trying to figure out who's to blame, then we've completely missed the whole thing. Because I'm to blame. You're to blame. We the people are to blame, but not because of America. Not that. Because of no, the, this isn't the total an depravity right. in our hearts. Right. 
that every part of our thinking is stained by sin. And we can't get away from that apart from death. We have to die to ourselves, die to our own way of thinking, to be resurrected in Christ. And when the fruit of the Spirit is what's coming out of us, rather than the fruit of our human thinking or our politics, that's when the lives around us begin to be to be changed. And we cannot change the system until we change people. Is it slower to change individuals? Of course it is. That's why you have riots, because people get fed up. They want to short-circuit the process. And, and honestly, because when we don't have that, we, in our sinfulness, get lazy about right. it. The riots are over, so, oh, everything's at peace. We're not going to deal with it. It's a cycle. I mean, like, it, it's exactly if, I've that. seen people posting on Facebook the past few days, um, you know, specifically talking about uh, Black Lives Matter. All these individuals, all these black people who have been killed by police brutality over the past, you know, X amount of years, just doing, you know, this person was just in their apartment. This person needed their tire changed, blah, blah, blah. Terrible, horrible, horrific, evil things. But eventually it died down. The the flames died down from how angry people were. And I'm not trying, I'm not saying that in a soft way. Please don't take it that way. Because I realize that it's a very... I mean, I've been really, st- for some reason, this this particular instance, this particular situation has hit me harder than I think hearing these things on the news and seeing them in the past have. And I, I can't tell you why, mm-hmm. but I've been really struggling with it. I don't know if it's just because I've been so immersed in social media with yeah. it, but I've been really struggling with this particular Having the video period. was probably a factor. I, I you know. wasn't going to watch the video for a long time, and then I did. And ever since then, I just have yeah. just been really struggling. But I mean... Now I forget what you were talking about, but it, it it is kind of a cyclical thing when people get lazy about their sin and they don't think right. that we have to do anything about it anymore. And on the opposite side of that, I think it's also a dangerous game. If you know, I mean, when we're talking about this particular situation, people that believe this isn't a problem, people that say right. racism doesn't. That's exist where the laziness anymore. comes in. Racism isn't a problem in this country anymore. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Racism is a problem everywhere that that there are human beings. Right. Because it isn't and really, not just a black it's not really thing. racism. We call it racism. Right. And, and people, especially now, it's ridiculous. I get so tired of the term because, you know, we talk about uh, building a wall in, you know, on the border of Mexico. Well, that's racism. It's not racism. That has nothing to do with racism. You can call it xenophobia. You can call it a number of different things. It's not racism. Racism has to be about race. Well, for one thing, race doesn't exist biologically or biblically. It doesn't exist in reality. That's a construct that we've created. But if it's not having to do with what sociologists have termed race historically, well, then you're just you're taking the term and reapplying it in a different way. It's but, easy to but do. But bigotry is the issue. Bigotry, in, and that's what makes... Uh, that's the only place that you really are going to see similarity. I, I have some real beef with those who want to conflate again uh, the issue of what we call racism and uh, and prejudice or, or bias against LGBT folks. It's not the same thing, but both forms of bigotry are sinful and wrong. Now that's the same thing. If I say I don't like blondes, you know, I don't see people protesting right. and having things about blonde jokes or things like that, I- or 
you know, all of the different things that, that make us different. You know, I'm thinking when of, we take those differences and make them a bad thing, right. that's where the sin comes you in. Think of the, the differences mo- are good. I think of the movie uh, Pocahontas, <laughs> the Disney movie. And there's a song in there, and there's there's one line, and it said, they're different from us, which means they can't be trusted. Right. And I think that's, or they're different from, from us, depiction. that means they must be evil. Right. Or, and that's, that's you know, it's a cartoon, but how many people think that and way? And it's so much bigger than black and white. It has always been that way. Right. There has been, there has been that same kind of bigotry. Did you miss the com- Disney references? In countries all around the world. You caught that on Sunday morning too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And... and in countries all around the world where black and white was not the issue, right. but yellow and more yellow was. Right. Or this red and that red. There's, there's, you know, the same type of hatred and bigotry that, uh, that white people perpetrated on other races okay. has in other situations perpetrated against white people or against other races by somebody who's non-white. And that doesn't make any of it okay. Or That's white the problem. people against white people who are gay or white people against white right. people who are whatever. I, you know, you see it all the time and, and people will make jokes about, oh, that's, that's so Walmart or whatever. Right. That That's also bigotry. Right. When we start to stereotype people by their appearance. I've been, as this has been going on, I'm, uh, I'm driving my pickup truck and today I'm wearing my normal tennis shoes, but I'm wearing a cowboy hat and boots. And I'm uh, listening to country music on on my CD player. And it occurred to me that pretty much anybody listening to this would assume that I'm a racist. Would assume this because of their stereotype of this type of person. If you see this, if you listen to country music Mm -hmm. or whatever, then you are that. There are people... That's what exacerbates the problem for all of us across the board. There are people because you say you're a Christian or because you go to this particular church that they have a certain view of who you are. Yeah, everybody thinks... And and, and there's almost in some ways more... more validity to that because there's a covenantal aspect to it. So if you say, well, if you're Catholic, then therefore you probably believe this. Well, Catholic teaching is what it is. So you may or may not believe it. But that's different than saying, oh, you're Catholic, so you must have 45 kids. You know, that's... Yeah. Or, or Catholics all think this way, or Catholics all do that, or sorry, Catholics. I went to a Catholic college. <laughs> yeah, you know, or Mormons or, right, or whatever. Right, whatever. So when we stop thinking of people as groups and start thinking of people as people, then we start to see things change. And and I, believe me, we're two white people sitting here in right, a very I'm privileged not, position. Right. I don't I want will to think never we're, on, we're not pretend. on a soapbox here. Well, I'm on a definite <laughs> soapbox. Well, there's no question about that. And I have very strong opinions about it. But I will never sit here and claim that I understand what it's like right. to be a black man in America. Or a, Nor, or a Muslim or a Indian or a I will whatever. also not claim to know what it's like to be a woman in America because I ain't Well, one. let me tell you something. <laughs> I will never claim to know what it's like to be a white man in Los Angeles. Right. I don't live in Los Angeles. I can tell you my experience, my narrative right here. And yet, the principles of reality are bigger than my experience or your experience or anybody else's. And so the things that we're talking about here do not diminish the difficulty and the hardship of being of, especially especially being a black person in America. And I think especially being a black man in America, mm-hmm. even more so than being a black woman. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong about that. But that's I'm saying this from outside of that particular demographic. Right. But I will tell you this. There is no ontological difference. There's no biological difference. There is no, there is no mental difference. There's no spiritual difference 
between me sitting here in my whiteness and my brother sitting in Detroit in his blackness because neither of us are primarily identified by the color of our skin. When we were kids, we used to call each other the half-brothers, you know, and so the half-brothers are back and they're three-quarters black. That was us. So the, and I just was telling him this week because David's slick on top, right? So he's got, he's got the Jordan look. Well, he can pull that off. I don't have that head. I can't do that the same way. I don't have any hair, but I don't look the same as David does. There's a difference between having soul and having melanin. I don't have that. So we are together. His experience is dramatically different than mine. He grew up in Detroit. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in Detroit. I didn't go to school with metal detectors. I went to a school where when I graduated, we had like 110 in the class. When he graduated, they had 4,000 over there in in the high school. I don't think they had that many in the class. But I mean, it's like a college. The college I went to was smaller than the high school he went to. Same. They're going in through metal detectors. He's, and that's back in the 80s. I didn't have that experience. I, I mean, you went, we went to the same school. I, many, I mean, many years apart. You said it, not me. Kids, there were, there were kids driving tractors to school. Right. And I went to, like I said, I went to a Catholic college. By all accounts, I've lived a very privileged life right. and a very sheltered. And, and here's, here am I in my bubble life. Right. I mean, probably the, the... And that's been hard in a lot of ways for you growing has, up as has. an adult. Yes. Because that's not how you expected life to turn out the way it turned out. Right. I, you know, bringing back to Disney, I wanted a Disney movie right. sort of life and that's not reality. Or a Hallmark but, movie. Or a Hallmark movie. Yeah, I'll probably switch to Hallmark now. I'm 32. It's time to grow up. Yeah, it um, is. Nobody, but, you know, my, buys it. my my biggest, uh, you know, cultural experiences is probably, you know, going to Chicago yeah. and for to, for a visit as a tourist. And I, I'm under no impression that I have any clue of what certain realities are like right. other That's than right. my own. So don't take that. You know. which, which has nothing to do with how much or how well you love a person. Exactly. Right. And, right. and it has nothing to do with how God sees those individuals or sees you. Every one of us bleeds the same. When, when you're doing surgery, if a doctor's doing surgery on that person... It looks the same on the inside. Right. That, that doesn't change. My daughter's a veterinarian, and it doesn't matter what color the animal is. It doesn't matter what's going on. When you get inside, it's the same. Yeah, there's no racism with animals. There, you know, what does that tell you? Well, there's a lot, a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of things, but we're out of time. But as we're, you know, as we're kind know of bringing this to a close, here, and, but... and, and we have, yeah, we have, and we've gone over, and and sorry, not sorry, we're, you know, it's it is what it is. But we we do live in a world full of division and hate. The answer is not more division and hate. It can't be. We can't ever bring about justice through injustice. It's just a different injustice. We're not going to make things better for for black people in America by making things worse for white people in America. That will never make it better. What we need to do is elevate everyone. We need to raise everyone up and not just with with some social plan or by, you know, dominating riders. Now, don't get me wrong, law and order has to prevail at some point and it always will. Uh, because an anarchist society is not a society and it will collapse on itself. Eventually, we all eat our young and, and that's not going to work. So eventually, someone, whether it's the government or someone else, will fill that vacuum 
and bring some semblance of law and order. 1920 Chicago, who was it? It was Al Capone. He brought his version of law and order. In Soviet Russia, they brought their version of law and order. But there will always be something, someone filling that vacuum, stepping into that void. And for anybody who's familiar with Animal Farm, I recommend the animated film over the book or the or the live action uh, film because animation makes everything better. But if there's anything that you can see from, from Orwell's Animal Farm, it's that when we start to overthrow people because they're wrong and we take that power by force, we will always have that temptation to be what we first opposed. Right. That's why our Constitution is set up the way it is. Because our founding fathers recognized the evil in the human soul, that every single one of us is bent toward sin, bent toward evil. Even those who didn't recognize Christ as Messiah, who, who were not born-again believers, what we might term evangelicals, the term existed then, but not the same, uh, or not, uh, not the way we see it today. But those, they may not have been Bible-believing uh, Christians, but they were influenced, as all of Western society was, by Judeo-Christian values. And what was brought in was a picture that every person is flawed. Government is necessary over anarchy. Order beats lawlessness, period. So when they sought to, I'm getting ahead of myself and into the article for, for the newsletter. Uh, but in the when When we chose to throw off the fetters uh, of the British government, it wasn't so that we could do our own thing. It wasn't for anarchy. It was replacing... There are no rules. Right. It, it was replacing a, an unjust tyranny with a better form of government. That was the entire process. It was never to bring about de, you know, the, the disorder or, or to, uh, to undo society and start over. And there were some who wanted that, and they were put down or left, uh, including some who were big players early and then went to France to get in on their uh, revolution there, which became a bloody mess. It was just massacres. So then the the revolutionaries. Well, the revolutionaries became worse than the than the kings and the uh, affluent that they were overthrowing. Right. So now the the oppression that they faced, they perpetrated against others, right. and it became a whole other thing. And you end up with with uh, um, Napoleon and, and so on and so forth. But but that's the problem that that we've seen so often in in any kind of a revolutionary movement is unless there is something better. Replacing it, unless we're actually moving consciously into a more in, into a more righteous position than we were before, then all we're doing is trading out one injustice for another, and the mm -hmm. cycle continues. Mm -hmm. That's what we've been seeing in, in America. Uh, I'd love to do a whole podcast just on on the issue of race historically, but uh, that's not really our format, and we almost did some of that today a little bit. But you know, the, maybe we'll do a special. You know, it'd be worth doing. But the, the, I mean, the thing that we talked about on Sunday, God, God brought us into Acts chapter ten at this time as Peter was getting a vision that Jew and Gentile doesn't make a difference. God is the God of all nations. God is the God of all people, and He's called all people to repentance. And He makes all people equal in Christ. You're equally damned apart from Christ, and you are equally His children in Christ. We receive the same Holy Spirit. God plays no favorites. God doesn't show favoritism. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't care if you're black, white, green, purple, or orange. He is all about 
what he created and every human being, both the man who is killed and the one who does the killing are both created in his image. And that image is distorted by our sin. Some really heinously dis distorted as from our perspective, others maybe not, it doesn't look as distorted to us because it fits what we expect for good people. But Anne Frank was wrong. People are not basically good. People are in ourselves sinful and wretched. And any person, any sinner, is capable of any sin in the right circumstances. So with, with what Peter learned uh, about the Gentiles, we can carry that over to us and understand that God's love is not restricted by human distinctions. Therefore, if we represent God, if we claim to believe in him, if we claim to be followers of Christ, children of the king, then we have to love like he does and we, we have to stand for righteousness. We have to stand against injustice, but we can't do that in a way that, that does not reflect who Christ is. We have to be the fullness of grace and truth together. We could talk about more, but we will stop there for today because we're 10 minutes over our time. But, um, I mean, I don't even know how to wrap this up. I just feel like it's a conversation that will probably keep going for a while. And it should. I think, right. I think that's part of the problem is we don't tend to have conversations. Conversations should keep going. And growing up as a child in the 70s in the shadow of the civil rights movement, systemic racism in the legal system was almost, uh, I don't know that's ever perfectly, but it was almost uh, eliminated. It was dramatically reduced. So by law, the, much of what was wrong was dealt with. The problem was that it was what was normal in the culture wasn't changed yet. That took a long time and, and is still taking time. I think today we have stepped back we are, I think, I feel, this is my observation only, strictly anecdotal, I feel that we are more racist today than we were 15 years ago, than we were 25 years it ago. seems like More it. than we were, you know, as again, as I was growing up in the 70s, I just, I couldn't even imagine racism. It just, the whole thing just didn't... Doesn't mean it didn't exist. No, no, <laughs> I, but, but because that was the world right, that we were in, right, right. we were... We were beyond, at that point, changing laws. Jim Crow laws were gone. At least, I, I live in Michigan. We're in the Midwest. It's not the same, perhaps, as in Alabama. And so, But you know, I grew up with Sesame Street. Sesame Street and I were born the same year. And so everybody on Sesame Street, you had like one white person on Sesame Street. Right, you know, and Mr. Cooper and Maria. And everybody's from all these different right. races. And deliberately, one right. of the things that Jim Henson did was all of these Muppets, none of them represented just a race you know uh, roosevelt franklin was my was he was my guy he was the one like black type character in the muppets that were there yeah it wasn't there enough but but i think they may have uh, let him go away a little bit because they were focusing on the multicolored muppets and everybody you know you got monsters that are you know good you got all these different things everybody comes as who they are rather than as their label and we gotta stop we just gotta stop wearing labels and start being people and that's how god sees us that's a good place to end it we'll end with that okay thank you guys for listening um we're glad to be back in this format even though it apparently leads to 45 minute conversation um but we're glad to be back maybe it's because we're doing it late maybe that's what led that's to it we're just minutes. a little more comfortable and we've had coffee um and we are clearly socially distanced it's camera perspective it's all an optical together. illusion i'm like 10 feet ahead um so we will stop there for today. Uh, as always, I think, especially with this particular subject that we've been talking about, uh, I feel like I'm just cheating to Facebook all the time. Um, 
feel free to leave a comment or a, a, a message or give us a call, a voicemail, whatever. Leave, send us an email, something real at reallifeonline.org. Um, because as Rich just said, this is a conversation that needs to continue. And if we have an outlet to do that, uh, then we'll do that. Amen. So thank you guys for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. And here.